0: Hello, this is Peter Korchnak, the creator, producer, and host of the Remembering Yugoslavia podcast, speaking to you from the future. The future of the episode you're about to hear, that is. Yugo, Yugo, Yugo was the very first episode of Remembering Yugoslavia I released in July 2020. You could say this podcast is a pandemic, baby. It remains the most popular Remembering Yugoslavia episode to date. Since then, and as of the moment I'm recording this, I've released 40 additional episodes dealing with various aspects of Yugoslavia's memory. As a writer, I've learned a thing or two about podcasting and storytelling in this medium, so enjoy this inaugural episode of Remembering Yugoslavia and keep listening. There are a whole lot of stories to explore. Take it from the listener and supporter Megan in Colorado. I found your podcast and liked it so much that I binged all of the episodes that were available. And if you feel like it or have a story or tip to share, please get in touch via the website, email, Instagram, Facebook, or Patreon. I'd love to hear from you. Take care.
1: Okay, so it's a Yugo car named after Yugo wind, not after Yugoslavia. Mainly people think that the name Yugo comes from the name of Yugoslavia that existed until the 90s. However, actually it was a trend in the 80s to name the car after winds like Golf and Passat. So, this is when um, our government got an idea to create a little car for Yugoslavia and to name it after a wind, which is a Yugo wind, which means southern wind.
0: That's Antonia Buntak, founder and principal of Yugo Car Adventure, a company that rents and gives tours of Zagreb in Yugo cars. I am Peter Korczniak, and this is Remembering Yugoslavia, a project exploring how the people of Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia, Serbia, Montenegro, Macedonia, and Kosovo remember and imagine the country that no longer exists. I've never ridden in a Yugo. Growing up in the 1980s, I only saw Zastava 101s on Czechoslovakia's roads. And as I listen to Antonia give a brief history of the legendary vehicle, I feel like a little boy again. Compounding the excitement is the fact that the interview is my first for the Remembering Yugoslavia podcast and Antonia Buntak, the star guest of the inaugural episode.
1: So it's a small car, uh, but it fits five people. So, even though it's relatively small, uh, the first one was produced in 1978 and presented to Tito, who was the leader of Yugoslavia. Allegedly, Tito didn't like it that much. However, after he died in the 80s, the mass production of this car started. Total, there were 800,000 Yugos produced between the beginning of 80s and uh, 2008, when the last Hugo was produced in a factory in Serbia. So this is the red one, and his name is Bojo and I have absolutely no idea how I, how I got an idea to name him Bojo. I'm trying to remember that, but I don't know, It just the name popped into my mind, and that's basically it. The other two have, uh, for example, the yellow one is called yellow, Juti, which means yellow in Croatian, and the blue one is called Zagi, which is a nickname for Zagreb, and what was the mascot of um of the sporting event from the 80s, Zagi, and the blue is the color of Zagreb, which is on the coat of arms. So the other two have a logical names. This one is absolutely no logic. I have no idea why I named in Bojo, but it's a red one. It's from 1987. Out of those almost 800,000, 145,000 were sold in the US, uh, were produced for the US market, which was a very, it turned out to be a funny and failed idea to sell the Yugo car uh, to the US, however, this is what brought Yugo to its fame and glory. Yes. And now it's one of the best-known cars in history. <laughs> the biggest problem is that Yugoslavia didn't understand the US mentality of the 80s and tried to sell this tiny little car that has no power steering, no uh, automatic shift, and is a no way C. Uh, to the country that had Ford from the 50s that had AC automatic and uh, power steering. So the country that has drove those huge cars with all those um, advanced technologies then 30 years later we thought that that country and those people would enjoy a new go. Of course it was it was it was set to fail. however, as I said, the, if we didn't have that idea of selling the cars to Americans, Yugo probably would be forgotten, and this way it will never be forgotten. It became a legend.
0: Today, months later, as I reflect on the mystery of Bojo's name, I imagine it comes from the creation word Obojavati, meaning to worship. Whatever the story, and we may never know, I can understand why Antonia loves the car. Yugo may not be named after Yugoslavia, but luck would have it I begin this podcast journey in a car. I'm curious where the idea for Yugo Car Adventure originated.
1: There were three sources of that idea. The first one is that Yugo was my first car. This is when I learned how to drive on a Yugo. And my dad actually taught me. So it's my first car. I had a lot of adventures from with my Yugos back when I was 18 and 19 years old. All my friends have a story, you know, that one time when we were seniors in high school, when we drove around in your Yugo. So it's the first thing. And absolutely everyone in ex-Yugoslavia that got a driving license back... What some 15, 20 years ago or more, uh, have a similar story, a crazy adventure in a Yugo. So that was the first thing. This is where the love towards Yugos come from. The second thing is that I went to Armenia a couple of years ago and I rented the Lada Neva. Which is a Soviet car, and uh, I rented that one with my friend. And I was so excited because my whole life I wanted to drive a Lada Niva, so we rented it. I was uh, I didn't sleep at all the night before, and as soon as I sat in the car, I drove through the red light, and uh, later I got a ticket for doing so. But I, I mean, it was because of the excitement. And then I figured, wait just a second. So if I was so excited about a Lada Niva, then there must be some lunatics in this world that would be the same excited about a Yugo car. Plus, you car and then i started a little bit and figured out that in absolutely every country you have old cars that will take you for tours you have old american cars in havana cuba you have uh, Trabant in berlin you have uh, mini coopers in london so you have it absolutely everywhere and we didn't have it in zagreb and me being a guide i sort of connected the dots i connected my love towards the car and my memory of the car uh, with the uh, Armenia's adventure and also with uh, the fact that there are similar projects in every part of the world. I launched it in August 2018, which is a year and three months, four months ago. Um, this is when I started, when I um. Well, launched the website and the Facebook page and Instagram and so on, uh, and all the publicity started three weeks later because someone somewhere saw it online, and as I said, it was like a chain reaction. Once so I and actually the first interview that I gave, I was actually on a tour while the number one news in Croatia called me, which is the Erte. RTL direct, and it's the number one evening news in the country. And they called me, I was on a tour and I said, yeah, but I'll be back. So they actually waited for me to come back from, from a trip. And that was the first interview. And since absolutely everyone in this country watches uh, that uh, evening news, this is how everyone heard about it. And then all the newspapers followed and yeah, the marketing was really great. The publicity is excellent. It started as a hobby. It started as a project, as a passion project. Uh, but it's still not the main one. I still work as a guide. I still work for the same companies I worked before opening this. And, uh, I should invest more in marketing. Uh, however, so far everybody loves the story so much that people actually do rent it. People hear about it. A lot of it is promoted by the word of mouth. So people hear about it, recommend it to someone else, recommend it. The last one, actually, I had a couple, the last ones it was a few days ago there was a couple from michigan and they heard about my yugos from their taxi driver from the airport they said that i like or cars and he told them oh yeah, yeah yeah there's this someone that rents out yugos just check it out online they found it, that liked it, they booked it, and this is the way how still to now the the, the customers are finding it. Uh, a lot of Croatians like it, which I never was, I never even thought of Croatians when I started with the whole project. The thing that I had in my mind, being a guide, were mainly Americans, were mainly foreigners. Uh, but then it seems that it's a big hit on Croatia because, as I said, everybody has a story. Everybody wants to hear the sound of Yugo. Everybody wants to smell a Yugo and I have people uh, now I will I have to print the gift certificates because a lot of wives buy to their husband as a birthday presents they rent the Yugo Yugo for a day or two for their
0: husband uh, smell Yugo what do you mean by that
1: well, Yugo has this very distinct smell that I like to call the smell of Yugoslavia, which is basically cheap fabric, leaking gasoline, and cheap plastic all blend into one. Uh, but it's similar to a lot of old cars, but since our old car was Yugo, I mean, if you sit in any old car, if you sit in the old Renault, you will have this similar smell. But for us, living in the territory of the ex-Yugoslavia, will bring us to Yugo, because our old car was Yugo, not a Renault.
0: As for who rents the Yugo cars?
1: I would say Croatians are 60, foreigners are 40%. And foreigners are 40, just because I don't have enough time for marketing. And Croatians heard about it because it was all over the news. It was, there is some crazy person in Zagreb that has three Yugos and rents it out to tourists. So it was very popular and still, I mean it is, and still every now and then have to give um, out an interview about it and Croatians read about it. And this is how Croatians hear about it. But with foreigners, I should invest more in marketing.
0: Having taken a ride in the Yugo, I understand the appeal, yet I wonder how much of it simply is about riding in an odd vintage vehicle and what part of the experience or the appeal relates to the country that made it.
1: Well, I think now in the world there is a big retro trend. So you have from filters on Instagram, now everybody wants to be from the 80s. Now we have the comepa- uh, the comeback of uh, big hair for women, so the haircuts, the hairdos are huge. Now we even uh, here in Zagreb we have the Museum of 80s, we have uh, also in Dubrovnik there is a museum of, I don't know exactly the name, so don't quote me on this one. It's either Museum of Yugoslavia or Museum of something like that, of communism. But anyways, uh, it, is, uh, it is a big Trend, and I would say it's a big trend in the whole world to do this comeback. This nostalgia about 30 years ago when we were younger uh, is a really big deal. So I would say this would be the number one. And secondly, Yugos are very popular cars, very funny cars, and people like to make fun of it. But I have to say that uh, no one ever makes fun of my Yugos. When they sit in a Yugo, they're so amazed, they love it so much that it's more. Yeah, coming back back to the 30 years ago when people were just younger. Not a lot of foreigners connected with the formal system, with formal Yugoslavia. Even they they know somewhere in the back of their minds that the name can be connected, even though it's not named after Yugoslavia, but there's, I mean... The similar similar name, and produced in Yugoslavia. But a lot of foreigners do not connect it with that. They connect it with being the worst car in history, and with all those jokes and funs. I mean, Jay Leno, I think he had the whole series of making fun of a Yugo. He made up some forty something jokes with a Yugo. Then Yugo uh, was a movie star. There's a famous scene in Die Hard number three when Samuel L. Jackson drives it. Uh, then you have it in Who Drowned Mona movie, and Mona was drowned in a Yugo, and everybody rousing in you. So Yugo sort of um, rose from that connection with, and it's quite interesting because it's, and even over here, I have to tell you, when I'm driving, we'll get to foreigners, but when I'm driving around, because I personally drive them a lot, they're my cars that I use as my transportation. So I have this. People which are either left or right oriented and it doesn't really matter. Even they are against Yugoslavia, against communism and against all of that. They have a huge smile on their faces when they see a Yugo. So they never want to destroy it or. So I have to say that Yugo, from the point of view of the foreigners, from the point of view of the locals, sort of rose above this communism and uh, that, that, that part of its legacy. So it's just a car that everybody thinks it's cute. It's funny and that they just want to try to, to drive it and to be driven in it. And regarding what amount of history the, um, the foreigners are taught in Yugo, where well, it depends whether they rent it or they have a guided tour, if they have a guided tour, they have a professional guide that will take that takes them around, which is either myself or one or two of my uh, long colleagues. Because as I said, all of us are guides, professional. This is our main main job. So they learn a lot about the uh, history. They learn a lot about sites. But I have to say that I'm not focusing only on 20th century history, but the whole history of Croatia, about Zagreb dating back to. 11th century and so on and so forth, yes. So they do learn, but if they rent it, they just get a car, keys, and the car, and I see them when they bring the car back. The cars are insured, of course, so I have insurance, but you would have to see how people drive those cars. So those cars are taken care of more than any Lamborghinis or uh, the new models of Tesla cars. So they are taken care of more than the most expensive cars in the world. Because the people that rent it, they rent it because they have really want to experience it and they know that they are, these are old-timer cars and they're taking excellent care of them. So I've never had, so far we haven't had one single accident of problem with it, never.
0: History, and Yugoslav history in particular, in today's Croatia, is under constant scrutiny, used and abused for political purposes. I wonder whether she's received any negative reactions to using a symbol of Yugoslavia for business.
1: I have to say that I haven't seen any negative reactions. I was once stopped by a police officer because I just he just wanted to see car from the close by. Uh, I'm being stopped with people driving ban- brand new BMWs because they just wanted to know how old the cars are. And I, have, I had absolutely no negative reactions once the internet troll, after one of the interviews, wrote down that I have a red hair, which I don't, I have brown hair, and that uh, I must be a communist. And this was the only thing that I read that, I mean, I don't even know whether I should qualify it as negative. So first of all, I don't have red hair, and second of all, I'm not a communist, but It was the only comment that could qualify as a negative one. So absolutely everything else. And bear in mind, it's coming from both right-oriented and left-oriented. So I have a lot of friends that, I mean, I am more liberal. I'm more leaning to in my political views towards the left, of course. However, I have a lot of friends that are also more right oriented, but they love it. And they, they love the idea. They're sharing the posts. uh, They are driving in cars. And it's, uh, that's why I'm always trying to emphasize that it's, this is not a political movement or anything. This is, this is just about the car. And I'm trying to lift the car even more above the, the politics. Yeah. About the negativity or positivity, you have to bear in mind the fact that people are very emotional over here and that not a lot of time has passed from the end of Yugoslavia, from the war and so on. So we'll leave it to the history. What will be the, the final the final uh, statement about that? But uh, in every, every part of the world, when you look back, when you just remember, you were younger, people were younger. You're always happier when you were younger. I mean, I'm not that old, but still I'm happy. I, I just think of my student days as a very happy part of my life because I was younger. I was 15 younger, young, 15 years younger than I am today. So, And um, the good thing is that uh, I was a little bit afraid, hence the garages and so on, but then when it all started, when we rolled all of it, and then I realized that people are really distinguishing Yugoslavia from the car. And uh, yeah, except being stopped by a police officer, which was hilarious because I had clients in the in the car. I had a couple from the U.S., and uh, I was like, "No, now they will ask for the documents, which of course I have. Everything is fine, but it's a hassle." And no, he just smiled and he's, "Oh, I just wanted to know how old well the car is." And uh, so this is. Um, these are the stories. Then I had, um, I had one young gentleman whose father actually worked in a factory that produced, I mean, Yugo cars were made in Serbia, right? In Kragujevac, but they had different parts from all the different parts of Yugoslavia and the plastic were from Croatia. And his father worked in the plastic factory and uh, he actually had the original, uh, keychain from original Yugo, which was 35 years old. And he was, he cried. When he saw the car, he actually cried. It was a gift from his girlfriend. She also gave it to him, the renting a Hugo for for his birthday. And I met with them in the garage to give them the keys and so on. He didn't know what he's getting. And when he saw the car and when I gave him the car keys he literally cried so this was maybe this was the best thing yeah it was hilarious and they drove around so they rented it for four hours and i said yeah i don't care you can just bring it back wherever you want and so on so i never look the time i don't care because the thing is that if they like the car they can stay longer they can say when i see the real enthusiasts, this is what i like and this is the whole point of my company it might be earning money but it's not in the money The thing is that when I see how much joy it brings to people, why not? Rent it, drive it, love it.
0: (laughs) To dig in a little deeper into Antonia's love affair with Bojo and the other two Yugos she owns, I return to her personal history.
1: Uh, So my family had two. My dad had it, and I drove my dad's, and then my brother uh, bought one as well. But I preferred my dad's, and uh, so when I passed the driving license, of course I didn't know how to drive, because, I mean, the driving course in Croatia was ridiculous 20 years ago. So basically, after getting my driving license, I drove around with my dad in my Yugo, And uh, I loved it. And I have so many memories from crashing it into... I crashed, which was terrible. I was 18 and I crashed into... Uh It was a Citroën parked on the other side of the street of probably the widest street in Zagreb. I managed to back it so far that I crashed the whole car. Yugo didn't have one single scratch, and that Citroën was completely destroyed. It was parked on the other side, so there were no car. There were no, I mean, it's terrible. So that was one of the things that I did. Uh And, uh, yeah, I have a lot of stories from high school as we were driving around and picked up. So I, I didn't have a radio, so we brought... You know, from the, the big, what is the boombox and so on. So we were driving around in a boombox and trying to make Hugo go over 100 kilometers per hour, which is what, 69 miles per hour. And it did. So that was the big, uh, the big deal for, for my old Hugo. So yeah, yeah, I have a lot of those nice memories from Hugo. And no, we don't own them anymore. Uh, I don't know what my brother did with his, though. But my uh, my father, dro- oh yeah, yeah. I remember also because I shared a Yugo with my dad when he would go to work because he would never lock it. And then as I was coming back from, I don't know, a night out or something, every morning I would just mess up everything in the Yugo. I would just turn it into a gear. I would put the the <laughs> the window down and uh, turn the radio up to the maximum. So when he would turn on a Yugo, it was screaming and so on. So I messed a lot with him. It was really fun. Uh and uh, I don't know what happened with that one. He I think he drove it and then it was uh, it was not well maintained by the previous owner. So at the end he just gave it to someone or I have no idea what happened with that one as well, but my brother sold his, I remember that. Okay, so I was born in 84. Yugoslavia fell apart in the 90s. So 91 is when the war started. And uh, I have only the fondest memories. I was uh, five, six, seven. I was in kindergarten, had absolutely no worries in my life. And that's it. So who doesn't have nice memories from the age of six? (laughs) So absolutely everyone. So I didn't worry that much about politics when I was six or seven. So uh, basically, my memories were fine and uh, were great. And uh, the memories of my family. So the thing is that my family was always sort of middle class. We were middle class back in Yugoslavia. We were middle class today so we didn't get unbelievably rich in the new system but we are not homeless in the new system we were not my parents were never members of the communist party but still managed to get a least decent life for us back in the previous system so basically we've always been the same the times has changed the structure of the country and the political um i mean the political situation obviously has changed but in my family we always had pretty much the same, so... I don't know, maybe I'm more leaning towards capitalism and one of the examples is now I'm using the old communist product into having financial gain in capitalism, which is the whole point of capitalism. So I don't know whether it would be, whether I could do it if now was 1982. I don't know. Uh, maybe I could, but still, yeah, for us, it was already always exactly the same for my family.
0: I only learn this later, as I travel through other former Yugoslav republics and am able to make the comparison. But it strikes me that Yugokar adventure is an outlier in the Croatian marketplace. Retro may be a thing in Croatia, as it is elsewhere, but the connection with Yugoslavia isn't as strong. Except perhaps in flea markets, where senior citizens sell off the contents of their living rooms and attics to make ends meet.
1: Well, there, there is one company that have like old cars, which are not exactly old cars. They're replicas of old cars and they are, um, they were made now last year, two years ago and so on, but uh, they're electric. So like little golf carts, but they look like old cars somewhere from the thirties or so. Um, so they are doing it and, uh, they have also nice guides and they're, I like them. Uh, but then again, they're not my competition because these are completely two different different branches, different kinds. So uh, the ones that want to drive around in an electric new car that looks like the one from the 30s, they will not choose between the two. At least I don't think so. The ones that will choose a Yugo will be the original old-timer car and they would like to do it. Um, the other things that might be retro are those museums that I mentioned previously. The one, the museum of the 80s um, and so on. That might be retro. So this is ah, and every now and then, you know, retro is it's, has a, such a comeback. So you have, for example, sweets in Croatia or Cevita, which is this energy drink. Let's say we can, you know, what it's It's like a powder and it's like an energy drink. So we like those old uh, cans and old uh, wrappings of candies and so on. And now it's a comeback. So all of those are now have the new modern twist of the old. 80s uh, rapping and so on, which is really funny. So there is a comeback of retro.
0: And the political aspect?
1: Well, you know how I would describe it. Trump won in elections by repeating, let's make America great again. So did he talk a lot about GDP, boring stuff and so on? No, he didn't. So the thing the same thing is here in Croatia. Here in Croatia, the problem is that the politicians will never talk about percents, unemployment. These are boring stuff that no one is interested in. Uh, the things, how elections are won over here by steering the pot. And by going on the emotional side and about talking about Yugoslavia. One of the hilarious statements that our president, um, had for, um, for a newspaper somewhere in, in Switzerland, was that she would live in Yugoslavia and that she always wanted to eat yogurt. Yugoslavia had the biggest dairy industry there was in Europe at the time, and currently we have on our TV the commercial of milk and I mean oh, one of the dairy companies that is celebrating its 60th birthday. So obviously it existed in Yugoslavia, and everybody, I mean, we were like. What is she talking about? We have so many kinds of yogurt that, okay, we didn't have imported yogurt, but we had our yogurt. I mean, what's the deal with that? I mean, now in Croatia, we have a big a promotion of eating Croatian food. So I, I just don't get it. So basically, I would say that it's just uh, things that are currently still in Croatia. This is how the elections are won in Croatia by steer, steering the pot and by uh, playing uh, those card of kind of cheap cards but i don't think it will last for too long i'm giving them another decade and that's it and then i think at that point they will have to start to talk about the boring stuff like gdp and employment education and so on the biggest problem is that the war was never qualified as an aggression of another country. It was qualified as a civil war, which it wasn't by all means. It was it was not a civil war. Uh, and the issue is that when Milosevic's army entered from the east, they were still called Yugoslavia because Serbia and Montenegro were still called Yugoslavia for another couple of years. Uh, even though Croatia, Slovenia, Bosnia, and Macedonia declared independence, there were only two left, but they still. Up the name, the anthem, the, the coat of arms, I mean, the red star and so on. So the biggest problem is that people have the memory of Yugoslav National Army, but it was not Yugoslav National Army, it was the Serbian branch, I mean, the Milosevic's controlled branch of Yugoslav National Army. So that are, the problem is the terminology, definitely. And the thing is that over here, the elections are won by twisting the terminology. And actually, I'm, I'm a historian, so I have a master's in history. Even though my master's is about Afghanistan, but of, I'm, I studied the world history, so I'm trying to look at it more objectively. And as I said, my family has absolutely no um, feelings about the prior, pri- I mean, the previous or the current. Uh, system in the in the name of i mean in the, in the sense of economy so we've been doing always the same so and i have but the other thing is that i haven't lost anyone in the war so you have to bear in mind the fact that if someone lost a father by a guy that had a red star red star on the hat Will not go very deeply into the historic uh, this, the historic traces of that, and also if that person is not well educated, especially in the sense of history, then most likely they will not go too deep in what was what was going on over there. That is at least my opinion.
0: If it's going to take a decade for things to change in Croatia, I wonder what that means for Car Adventure.
1: Where do I see Car Adventure in ten years? I have absolutely no idea. Um, I think that my idea is i don't want to have too many yugos i just want to keep it like elite uh elite fleet uh maybe five tops and uh i see them being over here and uh, i see me giving tours to other enthusiasts, car enthusiasts, I see, I would like to go to some old timer shows, which I, did not have enough time to do it now, but I do plan to go there. I would like to, to visit some places of interest that are connected with Yugos. I want to do, uh, I would like to go to that old factories, not just the one in Kragujevas, but where all the other parts for Yugos were made. Talk to people maybe over there to see what their opinion about Yugos is. So why not? Yeah. But I have no idea. I didn't, I didn't think that far. I don't know what I'm going to do the next year. Maybe I'll, I'll just buy um, a Skoda or something and travel to Czech. <laughs> I don't know.
0: In addition to Yugokar Adventure in Zagreb, there are companies in the capitals of former Yugoslav republics, Sarajevo and Belgrade, for example, that do something similar. How is Yugokar Adventure different?
1: I have to say that I never went on their tours. So this is the first disclaimer that I have to say over here. So my knowledge about those companies is based on what I've read online. And uh, the difference is that I'm focusing more on Yugoslavia while I'm not. So I'm focusing about that car. I love that car. I noticed that the ones in Belgrade, they don't have a lot of Yugo cars. They have um, uh, Stojadin, which is a different type. It looks like a limo and it has four four door. So it's not the Yugo and I have only Yugo's. So I don't have any other types. Made in the same factory though, but I don't have any others. So mine's are exclusively only Yugo's. So that is the big difference, which maybe some foreigners won't tell the difference, but I do. So for me, it's uh, important. So Also, they are, as I said, going to some very important sites for Yugoslavia. Explain about Yugoslavia. Well, I'm don't. I will show the cathedral in Zagreb, which is before you, which was built before Yugoslavia. I'm going to show the National Theater, which is also before Yugoslavia. Uh, but then again, we would go to New Zagreb, where you have uh, the mammoth, the big apartment building, which was built during the formal Yugoslavia. So mine is more the combination without focusing of the formal country that much. Uh, the other difference is that, as I understand, they have a lot of cars and some of them are not the professional guides and the whole point is in driving around. For me, in every car, you have the professional guide. A guide that has been a guide for the last five, seven, ten years. And the guide that will give you recommendations, not only what to do in Zagreb, explain about Zagreb, but also if you're traveling to Zadar, we'll connect you with our colleagues in Zadar. If you're traveling to Dubrovnik, we'll tell you what are the must-sees in Dubrovnik, what is not to be missed, and so on. So we are sort of having the whole picture because we have, my focus is, first on the cars second on the guides actually they are equal these are the two i will not send someone that is by my opinion not an experienced guide even in the even if i have to cancel i would rather cancel the tour than send someone that is not my trusted colleague that i know will do an excellent tour my focus is not Yugoslavia, but one of my favorite places in Croatia is the village where Tito was born, the former president of Yugoslavia. And it's an um, ethnographic collection, and it's uh, the open-air museum where you have in every old farmer house, you have different craft explained. And uh, and from there, I like to go to to one hill, the top of the hill, where you can see the whole area with the wine-growing hills, with castles, and it's wonderful and it's breathtaking. And eating and drinking, which is the whole point of Croatia. Come on, you have to eat and drink in Croatia. But the only complaint that I ever got from uh, working with foreigners over here is that they gain weight, and I always tell them, "Yeah, I don't care. I consider it a compliment. So <laughs> you should, you should promote that as a compliment, not as a complaint." And then they laugh and say, "Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll diet when we go back home." So, so yeah, that would be just indulge all your senses when staying in Croatia, and uh, hence the smell of Yugoslavia.
0: When I visit Kumrovitz a few days after my conversation with Antonia, I find myself wishing I'd come in a Yugo and parked it under Tito's nose. Alas, my rental is a Volkswagen Polo and parking for the Tito's Home Museum located a little ways from the famous statue. Over the course of my travels in Croatian Bosnia, I stop to photograph an odd Yugo here and there. Later in Serbia, as I near Kragujevac, Yugos of all generations become so ubiquitous as to become part of the landscape. I almost stopped seeing them. And the Zastava factory halls, where all those Yugos were made, stand abandoned on the banks of the Lepenica River, while the legend lives on. You can find links to all the sources and resources mentioned today, including photos of Bojo and more at RememberingYugoslavia.com Transcript by Zorica Popovic Outro music courtesy of Robert Petrich. I am Peter Korchniak. Ciao!